Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. If you're anything like Sayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Sayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. This is part two of our two-part interview with Josh Ferrari. He's going to share his story about what happened when he took on a 30-day challenge to raise $500,000. If you haven't listened to part one, don't forget to check it out to listen to how Josh got started with real estate investing and his background. Now back to the interview. And so after you guys got that first deal, how did you guys maneuver in terms of financing, finding investors, and being able to close in a timely manner? So believe it or not, the first deal we actually got under contract. Okay. The first day we actually closed, we had a few under contract and falling, falling through, but it actually came from my mentor. Uh, he had been seeing all of the work that I had been doing over the last two years. Cause it took two years of like really being full hundred percent force trying to get into the industry before we closed our first deal. So he's like, hey, man, you've been seeing a lot of the work you've been doing, seeing you analyze a lot of deals. You keep coming back to me and asking more questions. I see you active on all these like like social media. And I see you've like created a website now and you're doing this like podcast thing. And like he just was starting to really see how 100% in I was trying to get into this industry. And so he said, like, tell you what, he said, I've got this deal that I am getting ready to sell. And this was August of 2020. He said, we're looking to sell it with a broker in February of 2021. Uh, and if we list it with a broker, it's going to be such and such price. And we won't we won't sell it till February. He said, but if you and Reggie think that you can close this deal before the end of 2020, and if you think we don't have to go through a broker to close it, then I'll give you a $400,000 discount. I was like, dude, you best believe it. Send me all the data you got, like all the information. I'm so about it. So he sends you all the information. I quickly try to like underwrite it real quick. Immediately like call my partner, Reggie. And I'm like, dude, I've got the hookup on this deal. I think this is finally going to be the one. And he's a very, it's interesting because I have two business partners and we can talk about how the third business partner came in, but I got me who I'm the optimist, Reggie, we call him the realist. And then Matt, we call him the pessimist. So we all kind of balance each other out from like the underwriting perspective, you know? So I'm all optimistic about it, excited. And he's like, well, let's just wait. Like, let's just review the financials in detail and we'll see if it makes sense. But I'm like ecstatic. I'm ready to go with this thing. And so he ended up actually having the close relationship with the local bank that we ended up using because initially all I knew up to that point was that you could use what's called agency debt, like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And, but from what I knew about that, especially back in 2020, there was massive COVID reserve requirements. There was yield maintenance out the wazoo, prepayment penalties going like crazy. And you needed like two years of previous experience with agency 
in order to get approved. I'm like, well, we don't have anything. We don't have any experience. How the heck are we going to get that? So that was when we thought, okay, we might have to partner with someone else. But then we're like, do we really need to do that? So we ended up, he ended up talking to the local connection he had from the single family side with the local bank and come to find out they did commercial loans. You know, they did larger deals and we were like, okay, let's see what this is all about. It ended up being a blessing in disguise because we were able to break into the industry during crazy COVID times. We were able to get a loan that didn't have any prepayment penalties, didn't have any yield maintenance, didn't have any reserve requirements. And it just gave us a lot of like exit strategy options. It really opened us up and gave us more opportunity and more cash flow. Really, it made the deal make a lot more sense. Even though the big downside with going with the local bank was that it was recourse debt. But to specifically answer your question, we ended up going with a local bank on that one. The bank financing wasn't super hard to acquire, actually. Uh, And I say that because I didn't handle a whole lot of it. Reggie handled most of it because he already had that relationship. So he already knew what kind of needed to be done. uh, And he was able to quickly, I mean, it just goes back to leveraging partnerships, you know, your network. So he handled a lot of that. The biggest struggle we had with this particular deal was raising the capital. I probably raised about $400,000 for that deal. We needed six fifty. dollars uh, Reggie raised another $100,000. So we're at $500,000. We're about $150,000 shy. Two weeks to closing. What are we going to do? Oh, my goodness. So I reach out to my mentor because he's the seller, you know, and I'm like, hey, I've got the perfect opportunity for you. How about you help us finish our capital raise We'll close your deal. And then you win from both sides. You get GP equity, you get to continue to hold the asset and you get to actually close the deal. I thought it was a great proposition, but he was like, let me think about it. Uh, so he took about two days to think about it, came back to me and said, he didn't feel like it was ethically right. Didn't feel like he could do that. I'm like, ah, I get it. I understand. So he said, but I'm not going to leave you empty handed. I've got a guy that's helped us raise money before on some deals. He lives down here in Destin, Florida, and he is an ex-Air Force fighter pilot. And I'm like, woo, <laughs> nothing else. I want to meet this guy because I my dream job before I decided to become an aircraft technician was to be a fighter pilot. So I'm like, this guy's got to be cool. You know, he's got to have some, some cool stories or like personality's got to be there. I don't know, something. I just want to meet this guy. So we all go to brunch together, myself, Matt, and Reggie, and it we found out we all our personalities mesh very well. We found out that we all kind of had the same vision. We're all headed in the same direction. And we all really wanted to get into multifamily. He was excited about the deal. We were excited about the deal. So we're like, all right, let's just do it. Let's just try it this one time. You know, we're not creating an LLC as a three, a trio partnership or anything. Let's just try this one deal and see how it works. So bring them on. And in like a two week time frame, dude raises like 700K and we only needed 150. So it's like, oh my gosh, this guy's got connections, you know? So we we end up not closing the deal quite yet because there was further delays with the insurance, believe it or not, as we were talking about before we actually started recording this, there was two hurricanes that hit Mobile in September and October 2020. And one of them, the first one that came through in September, it kind of missed the property a little bit. There was like some power outages or something and maybe a little bit of flooding, but nothing crazy. So we're like, okay, whew, wipe the sweat off the brow. We're good to go. But then 
literally not but a month later, another one came and it kind of curved a little more northeast, so to say. And that's right where our property was. It slapped that property. It ripped all the roofs off, ripped wow. all the siding off. Uh, luckily, there was like an old shingle roof underneath. And so the damage wasn't as extensive as it would have been had there been nothing there. But it was still fairly extensive. So now we're having to deal with insurance. We're having to deal with, are we even going to close this deal anyway? Because what if we close it? The insurance decides they don't want to pay. Now we're stuck with an asset. It's got all these problems that we didn't raise capital for to fix. We don't want to screw over our investors on our first deal, really shooting ourselves in the foot. So working through that insurance shabacle was chaos. Let me tell you what. We actually didn't find out how much the insurance company was going to pay until two days before the last business day in December, which if you remember, he said we could only get the deal at that price if we close before the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Literally two business days to figure out whether or not we're going to close it now that we actually have a final number. And the number was like $400,000 shy of what our contractor said it was going to cost to fix everything. So we're like, oh, oh. <laughs> there's no way. We try to raise another 400K. It's not going to work. We just need to forget about it. But we did a little bit more digging. We got some other quotes from some other contractors, found out this dude was just trying to like shank us in the back. I don't know what he was trying to do, but he was trying to get an outlandish price on the work. We found someone that could do it for like a third of the price, if that, and then still was going to leave us a hundred grand over from what they were giving us. So we could use the other hundred grand to do even more CapEx than we thought we were initially going to be able to do. So we closed on it at the last hour of the last business day of the year. We met our goal and it was a photo finish. I'll tell you what, having getting all the capital in there, making sure that everything was good with the insurance company. We made it happen and that was our first deal experience. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. Well, that is a nail-biting experience right there, Benny, especially for the first one. <laughs> it was crazy. So I wanted to ask a little bit about the capital raising side of things and how you're able to do it, if you have a little bit of time. Like how I was actually able to raise the money? So that's interesting because I did a what's what was called a 30-day to 500K money raising challenge in July of 2020. It was the first time I had ever really tried to raise money other than when I did the fourplex with my dad. First time really actually trying to raise money outside of, of like a family member. I never really saw myself as much of a capital raiser. I didn't really think I was going 
to get much of anywhere. I was really just like, it's only a hundred dollars to get into this challenge. He says, he's going to teach me how to raise $500,000 in a 30 day time frame. If I don't do it, that's fine. At least I'll like learn something, you know, I'll learn more about the industry or learn the systems that he used. Cause I know he had raised tens of millions of dollars up to this point. So I go through the challenge on the very first day. He tells us that we're going to go live once a day on social media, like every day for the next 30 days. And I was like, I hated social media up to that point. thought it was nothing but negativity, just a bunch of hatred, hateful people, bashing politics. I didn't like any of it. So I just wasn't really on social media whatsoever. And then he tells me this and I'm like, well, I want to. I want to do what the dude's saying because I want to get the best results that I can get since he obviously knows what he's doing. So I'm like, even if I do these live videos, I still feel like I'm not going to get anywhere because I don't have a following because I don't like social media. Like I had the accounts, but I never got on them. So it was all like old high school buddies and college friends and people I went to church with. And I just never really thought that any of them would be interested in real estate. Well, at the end of this 30 day money raising challenge. I got 6 million. I ended up raising $6 million wow. in just the 30 day time frame. Wow. And I was like blown away at the amount of traction that I was able to get, the amount of interest I was able to get, how many folks I actually knew that were interested in real estate and had that kind of money. I could not believe it. And so I'm like, well, maybe I am more of a capital raiser than I ever thought that I would be. So I need to dive deeper and deeper into this and try to get better and better. So this was July going into August of 2020. And then mid late August is when he sent me that deal opportunity. And then we didn't actually end up getting the deal on a contract into September. And then I don't think we started the capital raise until late September, or early October. So it was really about two ish months after I had done the $6 million before I actually needed to get this money hard. Cause I say I raised $6 million, but it was more of soft commits there's more folks saying, yeah, I would love to invest with you. Here's the amount that I've got available that I'm looking to invest into real estate. So if you find an opportunity, here's how much I would be willing to pitch in kind of thing. And all that accumulated about $6 million. I didn't actually have $6 million in the bank anywhere. So I'm like, okay, I've got $6 million in stock commits. I've got this in the bag. We only got to raise $650. It's going to be no problem. So we start the actual raise and I start getting a whole heck of a lot of no's for this deal. And it was for a whole maraud of different reasons. I never even thought to ask because I wasn't in the industry and I had never raised capital for a deal before. Folks were saying, well, that market's too tertiary. I don't like it. Well, I only invest in deals 75 units and up. Well, I only invest in asset like B-class assets and A-class assets. I only do this. Well, and then a lot of folks were worried about like the election, like, hey, if if Biden get becomes president, then I'm not investing. And I'm like, well, how am I supposed to control that? Like, just what the heck? What the heck am I supposed to do with that? So there was folks not wanting to do it because the election, COVID was going rampant. Folks didn't know what was going on with that. So a lot of people were holding on to their cash that had initially said that they wanted to invest. And I only ended up being able to raise $400,000 out of the 6 million of commits that I had. So I was like, oh my gosh. And some people that said they had money at that point, two months later, it's like, well, we're not just going to like sit around and you know wait for you to come up, find a deal. We already put our money into another deal. So we're, we're not liquid right now. We might be liquid again in a couple of months or something. I was like, man, what crummy timing, you know, or just horrible 
I don't know, capital raising skills that I had. I don't know, but I only ended up getting 400,000, which I thought was crazy. And so then my other partner got the 100,000 and then we ended up having to bring the third partner on to make the deal happen. And now we've been a trio ever since. But the capital raising was more difficult than I thought it was going to be. I think it's simple. There's a difference between simplicity and something being easy. It's very simple to raise money. You have to make it all about the individual. You have to really connect with them on an emotional level and create a genuine connection and relationship. And then they're just so might happen to be a byproduct of the relationship is that they want to invest with you in a deal. Uh, and I, so I had to realize that as I was continuing to get further in my capital raising journey, but then also all those other factors, like I need to really learn what these investors are looking for. Cause I had no idea that they didn't want to invest in anything less. Like they didn't want to invest in anything less than 75 units. This one was 42 units. I'm like, shoot, wish I would have known that. Wish I would have known you were only interested in these specific markets or only interested in this. But those are all questions I didn't ask. So then I was really able to zero in the conversations I was having with people, get some kind of crystal clear clarity as far as their criteria and what they were looking for, put them all in different brackets, so to say. And then when a deal came up that met all of that group's criteria, they're like the first ones that get the opportunity. So that's kind of how it ended up falling out for us in the in the first deal. Yeah. Well, if you look at it also being able to raise $400,000 on your first deal in hindsight, that's an incredible feat. And in itself, if you're not looking at anything else, the $400,000 is, is amazing. Yeah. I was pretty proud of myself. <laughs> but uh, I also thought that I was falling short because I guess hindsight's always 2020 and then you got to like meet expectations and whatever the psychology is that goes into that. But I, in my head, I'm thinking I've got 6 million and then I only did 400,000. So I thought I did a lot worse than what I felt like I could have done. But I guess from the outside looking in, you're like, well, you've never actually raised anything before. So to go from nothing to 400,000, that's a feat. So I guess you're right. It is a feat, but I wasn't thinking of it like that at the time. So how has real estate investing impacted your life, Josh? It's impacted me dramatically. I think we're definitely on the right path as far as the goals that we're trying to achieve of of passive income, really being more involved with my family. We've got a baby on the way, looking to start actually creating this family. And so I want to be there. I want to be involved. The whole reason I didn't become a fighter pilot from the get-go was because I wanted to be more of a family man. And that was before I ever even knew anything about investing in real estate. I just wanted a job where I could come home every day and see my family. And then to find out that, wow, I don't even have to have a job. I can see my family every day and make money doing something else that's just fun and cool and make an impact. Yes, let's go that route. So I think it's made a massive impact. There's definitely been tons and tons of sacrifices. Don't get me wrong. Still sacrificing as we speak, but it'll be worth it. And I'm I'm so thankful that I that I took the leap. Yeah. And you'll be able to create that legacy that your father was talking about to your new baby. Right. So stoked. <laughs> when is when is your baby due? October 21st is the due date. So that's coming up. Right around the corner. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And we're actually getting ready to move too. So we're trying to move, have a baby. We're trying to do too much all at once getting ready for the baby and nesting, but it's an exciting time. It is. What is one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? Something that I know now is that you don't have to do it alone. 
I think one big mistake I made when I got into the fourplex was that I wanted to do it all myself. And maybe it wasn't even that I thought I had to do it all myself. Maybe it's that I thought that I needed all of the equity in order to actually make any money in the asset. But man, if I would have split it like 50-50 with somebody or even like four ways or three ways and had someone else's like financial capacity to back up on or someone else's knowledge of deals and the amount of work that's going to have to be put in to back up on. Like if I had had that, I probably one wouldn't have closed that deal and it wouldn't have been such a horrific nightmare. But then two, if we had to close the deal, I would have had so much backing from all different aspects that it probably wouldn't have been such a critical hit to my personal finances and I probably would be a lot further along than I am right now. Granted, that's not what happened, but I wish I would have known that even if you get a small sliver of a big pie, it's better than having no sliver of no pie. If I could have just got 5% equity in that deal and learned from someone that knew what they were doing, that would have been better than taking 100% and just trying to go at it all myself because that was not the solution. Yeah. I remember somebody once said also, um, they would rather have, it's better to get, you know, a little bit of juice from a whole watermelon than get all the juice from one small grape. That's true. <laughs> and so for you, Josh, what is one thing that sets the successful people apart in the real estate investing business? There's probably a lot. There's probably a lot of things that set folks apart, but if I had to just pick one, I'm going to say that it is persistence because you can give up super, super easy. There were so many times during that fourplex that I wanted to give up. It's like, let's just sell this thing and move on with our lives, go back to what we were doing in the day job. I'll be much more available. We'll have more time to spend together. We won't be in such a financial hole. Like this will solve all of our problems if I just quit. But the more I thought about it, when I was like, that's not going to solve any of our problems. We're going to be right back where we started. And then I'm going to be so disappointed in myself because I set out on this journey, failed, and then just gave up. So I think persistence and just taking action, because a lot of people get caught up in the what ifs and the worries. And the, I mean, I, I felt like I did too, a little bit in the beginning as well, when I was trying to do the wholesaling thing, because I felt like wholesaling was holding me back from what I really wanted to do. And even though we didn't close any deals, that's why I was like, all right, obviously this wasn't meant to be, let's ex that and move on to the new thing. Cause you can get so stuck and not move and just be worried that you are going to lose money and that you're going to have a story like mine. You're going to do this horrible fourplex investment and then that's not where you want to be. You don't want it to take like four or five, six, seven, eight years to get where you want to be. You want to just be there now. So you'd rather just not take the risk. And uh, I think just going after it, taking that leap of faith and then being persistent with it. And Josh, do you have any tools or techniques that you use to improve the efficiency of your business or your personal life you can share with us? Any tools? Uh, just one tool right off the bat has been active campaign. Uh, which is a CRM stands for customer relations management software. 
And that's helped a lot as far as our investor database, as far as sending out emails, putting all these different investors in these different brackets, of what they're actually interested in, quickly being able to send out information, setting up a whole bunch of automations to help the business from the marketing perspective. Uh, and then Slack, it's an app called Slack, which just helps us internally with communications. And there's gazillions of different channels you can create instead of just a group text like we were doing in the beginning where you talk about infinity different things and then a week goes by and you're like, I know he sent it. I'm like, I know I sent this or he you're sent scrolling. this. Yeah, somebody sent this. So let me scroll back and find it. Instead, you can actually go to the specific channel like this property, specifically accounting, specifically like this month. Like you can break it all the way down and then just click on that and that's where the data is immediately. So that also has helped simplify a lot of things for us. Awesome. Well, Josh, thank you so much for spending this time with us today and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. So if our listeners wanted to find out more about you and what you're doing, where's the best place that they can go? Best place is FerrariCapital.com. That's F-E-R-R-A-R-I Capital.com. All of our information is on the website, our social media links, our newsletter, our podcast information. You can sign up to be on our investor list. You can get on the investor portal. You can see our portfolio. So many different resources on there. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Josh. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.